Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Hi, everyone. This is Ugo Che, and this is the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, episode 138. This episode is the continuation of last week's episode, where we uh, had the first part of the recording of the panel discussion that was held over at uh, the Out of Chicago Photography Conference and was moderated by me with the participation of three uh, exceptional guests. Uh, they were Scott Bourne, Deborah Sandage, and Aaron Nays. So that uh, conversation was mostly about uh, uh, Photoshop, mostly about post-processing and photo manipulation and how that relates to, to travel photography and photorealism. So this is the second part of that conversation. Our topics, the topics that we covered, didn't uh, stop there. We also talked about things like market trends uh, in photography today, the evolution of personal style, finding inspiration. Uh, if you listen to this episode, you will also learn what AdFat means and why it's so important. So if you haven't caught up with episode 137, I suggest that you do now and you then keep listening because this is the continuation of that. So you can go back to ttim.photo slash 137. Uh, as for this episode, you can find it together with all the uh, show notes and links at ttim.photo slash 138. So uh, before uh, going uh, on with the, with the recording, I would just like to uh, tell everyone that uh, with the next week's episode, me and Ralph, we will be back with one of our usual interviews with a very special and very popular guest. So I suggest that you don't miss it. Finally, you can find everything about me at my website, ucphoto.me. And as for Ralph, Ralph Velasco, my co-host, uh, who, as I said, will be back next week. You can find about him at photoenrichment.com and on all forms of social media as at Ralph Velasco. And now let's enjoy uh, our conversation with Scott Bourne, Deborah Sandage and Aaron Nace. See you soon. So you basically already answered the question that I was planning to, to ask. <laughs> that is fine. People ask me to introduce the topic naturally, moving to it, which was about exactly what, what do the people want, what do the market want in, in this respect. And, and of course, it depends on the specific type of customer because uh, editors for natural, uh, natural history magazines, of course, don't want any manipulation. It depends on, Speaking about the general public or the specific clients, do, do they want something more that is more natural, more subtle maybe, or do they want something that looks very much processed and that's an interesting Amazing. <laughs> well, I think if you're working with people, uh, let's say camera club, and their camera club or their groups or their, their regional groups have very specific rules about manipulation or color enhancement or uh, removing things, or maybe they don't want a bird photographed on St. Augustine grass in Florida. So, I mean, those things, you know, if you could communicate those ideas, and, and, and that's fine. But if I'm working for a client, they're looking for... Um, 
something that represents the goal within the photograph. The, the goal is to show maybe a lens to look fantastic. You know, so what you can do with this lens. So my job is to be able, and that goes back to choosing the greatest subjects. That's something Mr. Kelly was talking about last night. So, you know, finding the great subjects and maybe able to interpret them and provide those to the client so that it looks like I've done something fantastic, you know, with that particular product. I don't want to do anything in post as far as, you know, too much enhancement, keeping that very, very real as far as, but that's for a particular corporate client. You know, that would be a little bit different than it would be for someone who's a nature photographer or for somebody who's an artist. No, there's nothing that holds it back. Aaron, do you have any clients? Yeah. I mean, I agree with Scott, you know, what he was just saying earlier. It's it's very cultural. It, it really is. You look at retouched images from around the world, and uh, every it seems like every society wants something different. Some people want larger eyes. Some people want darker skin. Some people want light makeup. Some people want heavy makeup. And it, it, it really depends on on the, the culture and the, and, and the individual themselves, you know, uh, some just as varied as, as we all are, you know, some people want to wear a lot of, you know, look enhancing, you know, they want to do their hair and makeup and well, all that stuff. And then some people prefer a more natural look. And I think, you know, it, it's all okay. You know, it, it's a, uh, it's our job especially if we're being paid, it's our job to, to, to give them what they want, you know. You know, I'll just add one thing. Mm -hmm. a, a, a wise old and wealthy photographer once said to me, beauty is in the eye of a checkbook holder. Sure is. <laughs> and, and from your perspective as an education company, what, what tutorials do you sell most? It's all about shooting in the field, or is it about more post-processing, retouching? Uh, it's all post-processing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, people want to know how to change the heck out of their photos, you know? And I, I think that's, you know, I'm, I'm happy to help them. And I, I, I do, you know, I, I do create a lot of manipulated images, but I try to do as much as I possibly can in camera. You know, I have a... A photograph that I, I took of a, a woman on a, on a, you know, set of stairs, and there's a there's a flood of water, you know, hundreds of gallons of water flooding around this woman, and uh, I get asked all the time, "Did you do it all in Photoshop?" But I actually flooded the building, you know, I I, I, I really flooded the building and, and took the pictures, and the end photo is a composite of a few different you know, parts of the flood around the subject. I didn't want, you know, her to get hurt or whatever, but, um, but we did it for real and, you know, then, then put the images together. Um, but people ask, you know, how do I remove this background? How do I change this background all the time? You know, it's uh, how do I take a picture of someone here and make them look like they're in a different place? That's, that's incredibly common. Um, how do I cut this person out of their background? How do I, you know, how do I you know, retouching is a huge, huge, huge part of it. You know, how do I make myself or my clients look look different? How, how do I enhance these photographs? Um, yeah, I would say that the majority of what I find people are interested, for my own company anyway, is uh, is post-production. Maybe they should be more interested into getting you tried in camera, in camera before. <laughs> I, and I try to push that, you know, that's, yeah. that, you know, but... But it's not easy. If you got a picture that you don't like, if you already have the picture and you don't want to go reshoot it, it's like, well, 
what can I do to make this better? And that's where post-production comes in. Um, you know, but oftentimes what you really should do is just go reshoot it if possible. You know, if it's a wedding, maybe not. You can't, you can't do that. You got to fix it. But, um, you know, oftentimes if it's a conceptual idea that you have, you know, a lot of the time the best way to make a great image would just be to redo it with the knowledge that you have now. But we don't always have that opportunity. Where do you see your personal style evolving? If you see any changes in what you're photographing and creating now, can you describe maybe the evolution of your style? Evolution of style, I, I think that's one of the most fascinating and wonderful things about photography is that there is always a new venue. There's always a new direction. And that's what keeps everything fresh and fun and exciting. You know, I can... When I first started out photography, I loved infrared photography. To me, I was just like blown away that you could put an infrared filter on the lens of a camera and just change the whole dynamics. You could tell a whole new story just by putting an infrared filter on the lens. The way that light is reflected and absorbed by different surfaces, it was amazing and totally different than black and white. You know, I was smitten, and, and I ended up writing a book on that. And I absolutely loved it, and I still work with it now. I'm working with the idea of what they call hypercolor infrared. So it's it's a next level. It's a different way, a different interpretation of colors with infrared. So that to me is what's so fresh and exciting. Things change. You get new directions, and you keep working with them. Um, I love birds. I bet Scott doesn't even know it too. Bird picture. <laughs> Actually, I do. Okay. He takes a great bird. Oh, thank you. But I love bird photography. It was fascinating. I still do it. Um, I think there's just different different things, you know, that you know I can apply to areas that I go. I do a lot of travel photography, and I'm still working with the same ideas. But there's certain things that I. I just love. And I realized that, you know, I've grown up, you know, in Florida and um, coming back to the, you know, the beach is fascinating. You know, a lot of people think it's kind of cliche. Yeah, we get a sunrise every day. You know? <laughs> But, you know, for me, it's not just the sunrise. It's just the way that the waves are coming in and, and interacting with the rocks and the surface. And maybe the incoming tide is a certain way. Then I'll come back a week later and the whole landscape is totally changed. You know, the rocks that were there have disappeared and there's a whole different new set of circumstances. So, I find my personal projects to sort of stay and then I just develop and work on them. So I love the idea of developing cloud formations and, and, and well, not quite storm chasing, but I love to see what's happening with the weather and the impact of water and the sea and, uh, and clouds. So that to me is, a, is peaceful. I can reach back and, and work with that. So I think those things can stay consistent. But everything, it, there's so many new, exciting and wonderful things that are happening in photography. And it's fun to take those directions. and. One of the women on the, uh, the photo walk last night was giddy. She was so excited because she had never shot cars where the, you could actually see the, the trails, the car lights as they, as they pass, and she had never done anything like that. And she was so excited. And this is the kind of thing we want to do as educators is to inspire people and through our photographs. And I hope I know that we all do that. But that keeps things fresh and exciting. And I'm still inspired. I'll see something that someone does and think, oh, my God, Scott Bork could get his camera 12 inches from a whole bald eagle. <laughs> you know, that just gives me goosebumps. So those are the things that exciting I think I think my style is evolving uh, in that I'm trying to just simplify I used to do more elaborate pictures now just a, a simple bird photograph on a clean background is very compelling to me it uh, turns out that it's very compelling to my editors they, they licensed a record number of images last year moving towards this style and I'm also trying to get very 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 close to wildlife and not using my 
my 300, which is a 600 on my camera. Instead, my go-to lens on my camera is a 17, which is really a 35. And just practicing the patience, I actually started learning to meditate. I studied Zen Buddhism. I can lower my heart rate to about 45 beats a minute at will. And I get down low on the ground and I'll spend hours in a particular place. Nobody will spend five minutes. But then the birds literally come to me. And I'm, I'm finding this, my style evolving towards trying to, I know it's crazy, but trying to connect with them on some emotional level. And by being so close to them, I feel like I can better tell their story and maybe share their personalities, because birds do have personalities. Um, and, and just try to, I'm also kind of into the whole thing about educating about birds lately. It's because they're so fascinating. And humans know so little about them. I'm just going to riff a little bit, pretending I'm in front of a kindergarten teacher, because I do this 20, 30 times a year in front of kindergartens, and they are the best audiences in the world. Uh, so, for instance, eagles have four phobia. We have two phobia. We can look out this way, eagles can look out this way, and that way. How cool would that be? Owls can see an infrared. Speaking of infrared, yeah. it turns out that mice pee is purple in infrared. <laughs> so if you eat mice, which is what owls do, you just follow the purple line to food. That'd be pretty cool. There's a bird called a, a, an acorn woodpecker, and yes, it eats acorns, but what's really cool about it is they have a sergeant in arms in every community of acorn woodpeckers, and they'll guard all the other birds' acorns and won't eat them. And female acorn woodpeckers actually share in the rearing of the young. They're the only birds in the world that cooperatively bring babies into the world. One last one. Harris's hawk, the only bird in the world that hunts in pack like a wolf. They'll hunt in a pack and share the food. The only bird in the world that will share the food. So that kind of stuff is what I've been doing with my photography. I've been sharing those stories so that people get to know more about birds. So they think of them less as a creature to run over in their car and more of something pretty spectacular to the universe. And I'm sorry for that long answer. That's great. It was a great answer. So really fascinating stuff. Do you shoot video birds? I do. Yeah? So I, have a video, I have a video of an eagle stealing my hat. <laughs> <laughs> because they were fighting right above my head. And there's just a lot of commotion in it. Sort of like what a storm chaser photographs in the middle of a tornado, and then I saw my hat fly off. <laughs> so, I don't do a lot. I don't do a ton of video, but I'm doing more and more and more. And I saw a lot of B-roll with some of the TV networks. Um, it's just the way it is for our profession. If you're not shooting video, you're not getting paid. Totally. Yeah. But it's pretty cool because I shot video in Alaska two years ago with the seven millimeter lens. Adobe liked it. They, they bought that footage. It, it's fun. I mean, it, you know, getting close is fun. I, I need to do more video. Yeah, yeah. I imagine video of birds. It's uh, pretty probably it's challenging. Hard, right? It is hard. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a whole different challenge than photographing birds in general is like the hardest thing in the world, and doing a video makes it even harder. Yeah, I can imagine. I envy those of you that have models that come on call. <laughs> hey, we'd be here at noon. Would you stand here by that light? I've been working for one bird to do that for me my whole life. <laughs> Maybe you should try paying them. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. It's against the law. <laughs> Aaron, what do you see your photography evolve? Yeah, quite a bit. Uh, you know, my, my style definitely changes, you know, uh, all the time, and it, I think it, it 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 
tends to be based on, I mean, a lot of my photography is an expression of myself. So as I change, my photography changes, changes with me. And the, you know, I, I look back on images that I created years ago and I, I, I really still enjoy the images that I made, but I, I wouldn't make those images today because I see the world in a different way than I did then. And uh, I think using my photography and using, I mean, not using it, just looking back at the how my styles have evolved has helped me understand myself better. And uh, that, that to me is just a really, really cool tool. So Scott already told us about the image he wanted to make for, was that 13 years? Crazy to the fire. Crazy in the forest. Uh, do you have any image in your mind that you want to create, that you've been wanting to create for a long time that you haven't yet made? Or maybe, Scott, if you have another image that you're thinking Oh, God, don't about? say it. Don't even get me started. <laughs> Please. I, I just, it took me 13 years to get that one. I need a vacation. <laughs> unfortunately, I, I kind of am. My bucket list is kind of caught up for a minute. I need the break. But I'm sure one will pop into my mind any day. And when that happens, it's a curse and a blessing. Because yeah. then I have to shoot it. <laughs> that well, to elaborate on what Scott just said, I, I think if it's, it, it's it's a lot of pressure to be able to do that. But I think I look at it as inspiration. So in travel, you know, there's a, you know, I always get ideas through research or just seeing other people's images. It's like, oh my gosh, this is going on my bucket list or this this area. So I think there's a lot of places in the, in the world that's such a, a beautiful place. Uh, there's so many wonderful places that I haven't been and, and there's a lot of places I want to revisit so there's I always have that shot that I didn't get that I, I really would like to revisit or a shot that maybe I've taken in a previous location that I can apply to a new location so those things um, always keep me going to the next spot it's like okay I want to do this but I gotta get this way or I want to shoot this way or I've shot a certain way maybe I want to introduce something like that in that neutral density filter and change the dynamics of the shot or, or I want to be able to do something at night maybe just shoot the whole thing at night and get that Whole Milky Way is the possible location. <laughs> so, but there's so a lot it's of not about a specific location or image that you have in mind. It's more of a general. Desire. Oh, absolutely! I have like a mental checklist of, of things that I want to do. So when I when I go to a location, I I want to try A, B, C, D, and E. So I always have that going on in my head when I go to a location. But but I'm always looking. I'm always I'm so inspired by what I see. There people are doing such magical, beautiful work, and and going to uh, places that I have not been to and. Uh, Oh, I would love to do this and put my own creative interpretation to it. So I think that's what makes it all fun. Yeah, definitely. I have uh, ideas all the time that I'd like to bring to fruition. And, it, you know, some ideas stick with you. Some ideas you think are great, then you revisit them the next day, and it's not that interesting anymore. But, um, yeah, I mean, recently it's, it's a lot of uh, social responsibility projects that are interesting to me. So it's, uh, you know, just helping, uh, you know, the idea of creating pictures to help people treat other people better. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's what's kind of most interesting to me at this time. So, um, yeah, that's, that's currently a project that I'm working on. It's kind of driving, you know, the, the images that I make. As for me, I have uh, lots of ideas about images that I could possibly make and so on, that I discovered that somebody has already made them, <laughs> changed to something different, <laughs> a new goal. Um, what would you say to a young budding photographer to go into travel photography or wildlife or landscape or other genres today 
what, what do you think they should be their the inspiration that they should follow in terms of either style or a specific uh, photographer or school of thought about photography? Is there any, if there is anything like that? If you want to be a wildlife photographer, it's pretty simple. You got to be passionate. You got to love wildlife, and you got to have a point of view, and you got to be willing to represent a story. If you're not telling stories with your camera, you're not a wildlife photographer. You're just taking snapshots. Uh, the, the storytelling aspect of photography is something I wish I would have learned about 10 years earlier than I did, but it's crucial. Uh, what Scott Kelby said last night about the, the sports foot, football yeah. picture was perfect. You know, two, hand, two eyes and a ball isn't enough. There's got to be a story. So it's like for you all, if you saw a bald eagle and you got it in frame and it was relatively sharp, you'd be excited. You know, that doesn't work for me. I have to do things like, here's a picture of a bald eagle carrying a rabbit because he just killed it. By the way, that's a fun call to get from your editor. Scott, by any chance, do you have a picture of a bald eagle carrying a rabbit? And it's, by the way, is it a juvenile? Because that's what I'm really looking for. I'm like, I'll get right on that. <laughs> Turns out I got three of them, but I didn't tell them I had to wait. Uh, you know, so definitely at a point of view, you need to be able to tell a story. You need to be willing to sacrifice yourself for the art. If it's not something, if you, if you want to be a, at least a professional wildlife photographer, it better be something that you wake up in the morning saying, I don't have a choice. I have to do this. Because if you don't feel that way, my recommendation is keep your day job and enjoy being an amateur photographer. That would be great. But to do it like I do it for a living, you got to sell out to it. you got to spend your life traveling on Thanksgiving Day to Bolsky de Apache when everybody else is with their family. I was there trying to make cranes in the fire nest. I've been around the world seven times, including to both the North and the South Pole. I've been in weather it's like so crazy cold that you want to die. I laid on an ice field this last March in minus nine degree temperatures for two hours to make one photograph. If you're not sold out to it, you won't do that stuff. So do something else. So that's my opinion on wildlife. I can't speak to travel. That would be dips daily week. No, that's a, that's a really great question. I actually get that asked that frequently. I think one of the things is uh, being passionate about your work and being a great storyteller. That, that those are two really important elements. And a lot of people can take a picture, but that doesn't mean that they're a great storyteller, or that they can. But hopefully, they can develop those uh, concepts and ideas. But I, I really try to encourage people to diversify, not just. Like, everybody wants to be a travel, travel photographer. Give everything up and just do that one thing. But I think what's helped me, at least, I've done a variety of different things. And by being able to do a variety of different things, that kind of leads me towards being able to do, you know, travel photography. But maybe I'll be able to write articles or write a book or do that, uh, uh, different things together. But, but I think being passionate and being a good storyteller, those are, like, really two quality yeah, you know, I agree with both Deb and Scott, you know, it, it seems like, you know, Scott's passionate about birds and wildlife, and that's led him to his career, and Deb's passionate about travel, and that's that's led her to where she is now, so I think, you know, follow your passions and bring a camera with you. You mentioned storytelling, and we saw yesterday Scott was seeing a great example by the other Scott, Scott Kelby, that's, but... For, for people who were not in the audience yesterday and didn't see that example, can you maybe explain? Because I, I hear that a lot. Yeah, you need to tell a story with a photo, sometimes with a single photo. 
what does it mean in practice to tell a story with a photo? Practice storytelling in photography. Maybe Aaron, you want to? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, you know there there are a lot of ideas that drive story. You know, conflict, mystery, resolution. You know, there's a, all the quintessential you know story. This, I don't know Shakespeare. Someone said there's like seven stories, like man versus man, man versus environment, man versus self, man, whatever. I don't remember all of them, but, um, you know, substitute man with everything else. I'm just quoting, but, you know, I, I think those are the, those are the ideas that are the building blocks of a story, you know, like a, an eagle by itself is just an eagle, but an eagle carrying a rock, rabbit that's, you know, man versus, or eagle, eagle versus rabbit, I guess, right? So... Um, you know, I think those are the those are the things that make the story. You know, uh, with people, a show of emotion, you know, is, is a big part of that, and also showing a juxtaposition of two separate ideas. You know, suffering mixed with vulnerability. You know, those two ideas combined in one photograph creates a creates you know interest and, and creates a story. So I, I think. You know, looking, looking to capture those ideas in a single frame helps to create a story. It's not necessarily easy to do. It's not easy to replicate. But I think you know, looking for those uh, those moments in life. That's sort of those, as some people would say, those archetypes. Many stories follow. There's a, a conflict, a resolution. It's a good place to start, anyway. You know. Great, great suggestion. Yeah. Well, I think I'm thinking. Uh, well, I think I'm thinking about a photograph that I had made a long time ago, and, and I know Scott would appreciate this. But it was I was shooting birds, and uh, you know, I was watching the behaviors of, and, and just waiting. So a lot about photography sometimes just waiting for the right moment or waiting for the right gesture. So it could be, so a bird did fly in. It's a nice bird. He's just pretty much sitting there, but it was at that moment the sun began to filter through his wings. The light is coming through the feathers. The bird extends the wings, and you have the light and the shadow, and he's the birds beginning to preen. And so that's a beautiful moment. is a gesture that's happening, so you're capturing that moment in time of something. And that really, that gesture can happen with the sun beginning to rise. Or, so you're waiting for that special moment to happen as far as you know, creating a special storytelling type of a moment. I spent a lot of time thinking about this. Aaron, 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 Aaron articulated it very well, but I, I, I am an, an archetype, so I have to make a very embarrassing statement here. How many of you remember Gilligan's Island? <laughs> so when I go to a bird scene, I create archetypes for each bird. One is the skipper, one is Marianne. I know this is crazy. But by humanizing the birds, I'm able to then have a completely different perspective. And so I'll say, what's Marianne doing? Well, where's the professor? And, and, and it's really more in my mind that the story exists, obviously, than the birds, because I'm sure none of them are familiar with Gilligan's Islands and reruns, after all. Uh, but, but I try to look at that, and then I go on this kind of trippy thing where I'm like, if aliens find my pictures, which I think about all the time, by the way, I don't know what that says about me, but I think about Martians finding my pictures going, what the hell? Um, I, I, I want to try to make a photograph that somehow would convey something to them, 
But at its core, storytelling and photography for me is just evoking emotion. If one of my pictures evokes emotions, fear, happiness, sadness, glee, joy, uh, someone starts crying, sadness, then I feel like I've told some kind of story. It's a very high point of practice in photography to do it, and I recommend studying the work of photojournalists like our own Steve Simon here at the, con at the conference, uh, you know, who actually have the job of literally telling the same story that a, a writer would tell, and they don't get any words. They just get the camera. So maybe, for instance, if you're photographing cowboys, instead of just shooting the cowboy sitting on the horse, you just photograph a boot and a spur in the, in the bridle, something like that, which conveys a, a detail in the story. I'll give you one other very useful tool, Hugo. Um, it's, it's a tool I learned. I went to film school just to learn how motion pictures are created because I thought that could inform my still photography. And I learned this tool called EDFAT. It's an acronym which stands for Entire, Details, Focal Length, Angle, and Time. It's a storytelling tool that when you walk into a scene, you try to do all these shots according to EDFAT. So think of a Kevin Costner movie. What's the first shot in every Kevin Costner Western? The big valley shot, that's the entire. The details may just be a boot and a spur. The focal length will be shoot that scene with a wide angle and a telephoto just to get it from different range. Angle, shoot it from low down on the ground, shoot it from high up in the sky. You're telling different aspects of the story that way. Time, shoot it morning, noon, and night, shoot it with a slow shutter speed, shoot it with a fast shutter speed. Head fat, entire details, focal length, angle, time. So I apply this in acronym to all of my photography, and now it's just like driving a car and I have to think about it. But I try to do all those things. That's what I call working a scene. Again, sorry for the language. Oh, it's a great name. I think that's gold, and it's worth for everyone listening to this. That that single thing, I think it's great. I I was doing the, our little workshop yesterday, trying to tell a story by walking across the city and kept repeating our students that you should really try to vary your at least your focal length, zoom go with your feet, get closer, get farther away, and use those tools to, to create a story. So that very much uh, resonates with that. I have to admit I've never seen an episode of Gilligan's Island. It's probably because I don't think it was ever aired in Italy. <laughs> Maybe it You're missing out, dude. So now I have, to, I have to find out all those references. I don't get it. I need to go on YouTube and find those old episodes and understand those references. It's, it's the cultural height of America. I don't, I don't. Another thing I've never watched is The Princess Bride. <laughs> I haven't even. <laughs> Seems like everybody has. But I am. Anyway, and I don't know those quotes. Like, um, yeah. Anyway, so uh, final some final words from you. If you want to to add something without my my question, my input is there anything you'd like to, to say? And then we're going to wrap up this uh, very nice conversation. Well, as a photographer, I, I think you should follow your passion. I think that if there's something that really interests you, just dig in, learn everything you can about it, find out all the ways that it's being done, find out how you can put your own creative slice into it. And I, I think that that's what the driver is, to become really successful. So just um, be inspired. 
don't be afraid to you know see what people are people's arguing around you and uh, enroll with it. And and again, there's so many different venues, so many different ways that you can interpret a scene. But again, you know, coming away with the picture is my goal is to tell someone or make them feel what it was like to be there at that moment. So get so much of yourself into the photograph so they understand what, what you were doing. So when they're looking at a picture, they're pulling their feet back because they don't want to get wet because they feel like the waves are going to hit them. So that you want to put that emotion into your picture. So feel, use all the tools, find out what the tools are to be able to better your photography. And, and again, just be passionate and have fun. Have fun. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I, I just took the words right out of my mouth, basically. <laughs> yeah. Mix photography with something else you love, and, you know, it's okay if you find yourself being interested in new things. Just take the camera with you, you know, take a bunch of pictures. That's the best way to do it. Uh, I like to say, uh, if I knew what I'm about to say four years ago, I'd be a heck of a lot better photographer than I am today. Uh, feel your way to a photograph. Don't use your mind. Use your heart. I know this is very ethereal, but if you can learn to feel your way to a photograph, your photography will be at a level that your peers can't even dream of getting to. And speaking of peers, stay off the frickin' internet. <laughs> There's nothing worse for a photographer than a photographer's form. Stay out of it. Don't read the comments ever. Just stay away from it. Every hour you spend there is literally like drinking poison. Replace it with an hour with your camera and that's like drinking gold. Stay off the forums and feel your way to a photograph. Don't let anybody tell you you're right or wrong. If it's your feeling, it's your feeling. Feel your way to a photograph. And thank you for your attention. Thanks to you. Thanks to you all for your time and your very thoughtful answers to my questions. And I hope our audience also will appreciate them. So thanks again to Aaron, Deb, and Scott for being with us today. <laughs>